bullying is not intended for younger children. The opinions expressed don't reflect the views of the employers of these amateurs. This is nothing more than the nonsensical ravings of two lunatic minds. Should I say, two lunatic dudes. This podcast is doo-doo, but it could work! everyone to two dudes one double feature the show in which two dudes talk two films and that is about it i am dude one richard and i'm dude two joe and we are on part three episode three if you will of our halloween extravaganza on two dudes one double feature if you haven't please listen to our previous installments where we talk about the wolfman and american werewolf in london we also Teamed up with our good friend Alex Weike, talk about Wes Craven movies, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Scream. And I just want you to know, it still warms my heart how much you loved Scream. <laughs> and I'm still waiting for you to watch the rest of them. Um, at some point, if I get time, it I've been busy, though. Uh, you know, sometimes On that I'll, note, yeah. how are you doing? Uh, you know, I think I said, I said this on the Nightmare episode. Um, I got a new job. And I'm recording this, and today, we're still in September, today is my last day in my old position, and um, it was really, it's really just really sweet what my coworkers did. They had a pizza party for me at work, um, you know, I had ice cream cake, and it was, um, it, ma- it made me feel really special. Nice. It was really nice. Um, what kind of pizza? It was just plain pizza. I mean, like, was it just cheese? So it wasn't anything. They didn't have like options or something. No, but I mean, it was oh, a surprise. I'm, I'll, I'll take free pizza, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I was just curious what kind of pizza you got. <laughs> <laughs> like pizza's pizza, man. Yeah, just... no, <laughs> local place, which it was good. It's always good to have nice New Jersey pizza, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, actually, because of this week's episode, I was watching um, Spaceballs. Oh, I did see you posted on Letterboxd that you watched Baseballs, and I saw your review. And it went as well as I thought it was going to. Like, (laughs) it certainly has its moments, and I have nostalgia for it. It was was the first Mel Brooks movie that I watched, and I watched it, you know, a lot when I was younger. But, you know, it was was fine. (laughs) And 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 it 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 just left me thinking, like, man... You know, because my review pokes fun at like, oh, it's like Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, I'm like, man, Lone Star should have been Mario. <laughs> Could you imagine just Bill Pullman, <laughs> but still like young? N- nobody, as Mario. Nobody would say this is an insult to Italians if that happened. Honestly, <laughs> no, that should. I'm just saying, 
maybe it sounds like it would have been a pretty solid idea <laughs> but no we're, we're we're stuck with actual star lord as mark i'm not gonna get into that because there's a lot involving that uh charlie day as luigi i'll just say i love jack black and charlie day is is great <laughs> <laughs> I'll see it for that. <laughs> At the very least, as long as we can get that, it, we can live with that. <laughs> yeah, but other than that, um, not much. I, I have been picking up some Hanna-Barbera Blu-rays, actually, as of late, because there's been some good deals online. I, I'm surprised you don't already have them. Problem with me, Richard, is I have way too many damn interests. <laughs> I can see from your man cave behind you. <laughs> it's reflected. It's reflected in my man cave. My, my interests range from weird novelties I owned as children as a child. Like I have this blue dragon figure that I'm amused by that I've had since I was a child that I got at Boscov's years ago, but it's just chilling there. Then I got like a almost three hundred dollar Cyclops <laughs> statue in my man cave. Like, listen, but but it makes you feel. It something. makes me feel nice when I walk into this room and go. <laughs> I did this. I curated this. I curated this collection. Uh, man, but no, I, I was able to find these for for pretty good deal. Like, Scooby-Doo, I got the complete uh, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? The original series. All 40-something episodes of the show. Fian will tell me how many episodes. For for a pretty good price. I think it was like 38 bucks. Um, normally, and it's like a cool set because it's like in the shape of like a haunted house. Mm-hmm. And you get like a Scooby Doo, a little Scooby Doo Funko thingy, and you get a digital oh, copy, cool. and it's real nice. And I was watching some of the episodes, mm-hmm. and then I just feel like we are just Shaggy and Scooby. <laughs> <laughs> we I we do eat a lot. There's no question about that. I don't if there's I don't we don't partake in in the in the subtext that you could argue oh, with those no. characters. No. But we do eat a lot. We like to have a good time. <laughs> we do like to, have, but with food. But with food <laughs> and watching movies. And uh, I also picked up the Flintstones, the complete series of the Flintstones on Blu-ray. You know the modern, mm-hmm. well, you know, modern back Stone then, Age family, the contemporary nineteen sixties Stone <laughs> Age family. You know, uh, from the town of Bedrock in the sixties. <laughs> you know, but I have those. I'm very excited to watch those because it's been a long time since I've watched stuff from the original Flintstones series. And I never owned these series on DVD. So owning them on Blu-ray is really cool because I used to just watch them on Boomerang all the time. You know, right. or just yeah, sometimes same. they don't be on Cartoon Network. But I think it was like on Late Night Cartoon Network before Adult Swim was there. Sometimes. Probably. Like yeah. I remember watching yeah yeah and then i re uh just to before we get into your stuff i rewatched 2001 a space odyssey uh it's a personal one for, for yeah us. we'll, we'll one, get that into that story movie. when we talk about we will talk about 2001 at some point in our lineup but it's a it's a terrific movie like it, mm-hmm. it is um just like there, there's few things that are like it you know it's it's hard to come like like people bring up like certain directors like to compare to Kubrick and all that, but it's just like it's kind of its own thing and it kind of stands tall among so many other things. And it's weird to call it a science fiction movie because it is like also simultaneously like one of the greatest movies ever made. You know? Yeah. Um, I also watched it because they're releasing two thousand one figures 
and I picked up uh, a figure of the monolith with um, the ape. Who you know what the ape's name is in two thousand one? That it picks up the bone. I I saw it when you sent me the link. I saw it, but I forget what it is. The name is Moon Watcher, which is pretty awesome. That just sounds like a cool superhero. Yeah, it's the Adventures of Moon Watcher. I'm like, I'll watch this. I'll check this out. And even though I've seen so many parodies of 2001 and the music's been parodied and over so many times, it's still so effective. It's it's really it's really quite a movie. Richard and I did see it on the big screen a couple years ago, but we're not going to get into that story. All I could say is if you have the chance to see it safely on the big screen, uh, take that opportunity. But um, how are you doing? I'm all right. I don't have anything really work related that's been happening. I mean, we've just um, we've been trying to get more employees lately. Yeah. One cool thing happened, but I don't really want I don't I, I don't know if I could talk about it on air. So I, I already told you about it earlier, so I'm sorry guys. <laughs> yeah. It's it's weird to bring it up even just with like I can't say anything. Um <laughs> Um Highlights. One thing that I I did finally do is I got a PS five. Which is pretty cool. Um clapping. <laughs> However, um, there is sort of a, a narrative behind that because, as you know, because I mean, you got one, you but you were able to do like a pickup from Target, if I yes. remember correctly. Yes, I did. Which you were, which I'll just say this right now, that is the preferred method I would put out. <laughs> just like if you're gonna get one and you're lucky enough to get one, just just see if you could pick it up. Do curbside if you can. Because sometimes that's the only option. Like for when I was sometimes yeah. Because yeah. when I got Mike. Um, his special gift a while ago you know i had I, I i had to pick it up i couldn't ship it like like obviously so many places are like constantly doing restocks and doing all types of things and so people are just tracking stuff there's so many reasons why there's like a shortage but point being it's it's still tough to get but i was lucky enough to to acquire one sort of so walmart i guess had this uh had this stock drop or whatever they call it and I decided, you know what, it's, you know, it's the magic of consumerism. You know, you see a friend that got one, you're like, hey, I could get one too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> For, if, a, if a regular Joe could get one, I think I could get one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's the magic of consumerism. Anyway. Oh! Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I liked the... <laughs> So, I was like, I'll give it a try. And so, there was many... Like, I know Best Buy and GameStop have been doing in-store attempts for people. Um, but I'm not doing that. We're in a pandemic still. I'm not about to line up in a crowd outside. I don't care. I'm not doing it. Um, so, I like if I could do like a curbside pickup, I can try that. Or I'll just order it online and have it shipped to me. That's fine. So, Walmart the other day was doing one. I think it was the same day Best Buy was doing like a nationwide in-store pickup and i literally am refreshing the page i'm refreshing the page and eventually um i'm logged in by the way just make sure you're logged in because it just makes it that much easier i keep refreshing the page i hit add to cart right at the time uh i go to my cart i hit continue to check out i place order and i got the notification that says you know you're thank you for your order so i'm like oh so it was actually kind of exciting Little did I know that 
um, from from just doing a little research, uh, Walmart is a, a nightmare <laughs> to order this thing from. So like pe- like I was I was reading about how people would order the system, and it wouldn't come for like weeks, like a, over a month maybe. I think people that ordered it in August, to my knowledge, still have not received it. Or at least some have, but some are still waiting. And so it's like Walmart, I don't know if, how they're doing it. Is that they're setting up like a pre-order type thing? If they like get a, they catch wind that they're going to get stock. So they set it up that way versus actually having the item and trying to sell it. So, because that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm learning is kind of what the case is. Like I had a pending charge for like the $500 plus tax, all that stuff. And it's gone now. But that, but they did that only because they wanted to see if I had the money, so that was their that's their reasoning for that. So now I'm sort of in this point where they give me a estimation date of the end of next month, October or this month for you guys listening, and so I'm just kind of sitting and waiting. Hmm. So nothing's been canceled. I'm still in. I'm still in the game. We'll see what happens. So. So patience is a virtue. I'm hoping, and if it's not, then I'll just I'll be sad. <laughs> well, I hope it works out. <laughs> so um, if you can, so again, if you can, do like a store pickup or curbside pickup. If you have to order it online, I don't know what the experience is like with other places. Don't do Walmart. I've heard some stuff. I'm in this. I'm in this position. I'm gonna stay in this position and just hope for the best. We'll see what happens. I'll probably mention it at some point. So that's actually kind of what happened with me because I was able to secure one through Walmart, but then a Target one came up, and I I knew Target was going to be more reliable, so I canceled. So I got the Target when I got secured the Target one, and I knew I could pick it up. I canceled the Walmart order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably the better option. That was just the that was like the best luck I've had. So I just figured I'd just stick around with it and see what happens. And then if I see other options, I'll go with it. But yeah, anything else going on? Not really. No, it's been kind of boring the last few days. <laughs> Admittedly, I've. I mean, I bought a bunch of movies not that long ago. Um, I actually bought a bunch of movies the other day that I was. I was like, I, I think I went a little overboard with this, so I have to take some stuff back. Okay. I was like, it's been a little too much money. So yeah, nothing, nothing necessarily crazy, but I am excited. Uh, to talk about these movies, actually. This is, like, because, like, last time when we were doing the Halloween episodes, we had an entire Dracula episode. Yes. But now we're going to have an entire Frankenstein episode. Yes. Ugh. <laughs> this, is, this is terrible. I'm sorry. I mean, I think it's it's pretty... It's good enough, I, I guess. <laughs> maybe, it'll, maybe it'll make the end credits. Ugh. There's a chance. There's a chance. Until something stupider is said later. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I still got to put the end credits audio for the for the Wolfman episode. We got time. we got time, and I'm still I'm still time. editing the the nightmare episode. It's it's you probably won't get that till like Sunday. Just just FYI. Eh, eh, it's good. I'm at least I'm off Sunday, so I can listen to it. But our first film. Our first film. I know you're you you've been looking forward to talking about this film for a very long time and showing me this film. 
for a very long time. We hinted at it, I think, a, c- a couple episodes ago. I've talked about this this movie a few times. One time in secret. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. I won't specify what moment that was, but I talked about it in secret. Th- th- there are probably that. super fans of the show, i.e., Wikey, Feehan, Allison. <laughs> I did. You know, I did get a message the other day on our Instagram from from a kid, from a guy that said he was a. He said, "I'm kind of a big fan." Okay. I mean, uh, it, no, it feels like it feels like we're gaining some momentum, but to continue the momentum of actually doing an episode at a decent runtime where our our first uh, our first film on our double feature pairing is the 1957 british horror film the curse of frankenstein that i think that's different music i'm sorry that sounded like a mixture of like the opening frankenstein theme from 1931 and Godzilla. Fun fact, the first place I I might have mentioned this already, but it's still funny to me. The first place I ever heard that music was Charlie's Angels. There you go. Handsome Riot on Instagram is the kid that messaged us. And he messaged us some double feature ideas, so... Uh, I'm glad uh, we glad we're glad you uh, like right. the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, man. We we really we really appreciate it. Um, so yes. Curse of Frankenstein. Curse of Frankenstein. This is uh, a movie like Joey was saying that I've been wanting to talk about on the show for a while. And most importantly, though, I've wanted to show it to Joey. A because I know Joey would be into it. B it's an old movie, so of course Joey would be into it. C it's got Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee in it, so anyone could be into it. It's got it's got a lot going for it. And not only that, but it's one of those movies that really sort of brought back a dying genre. Cuz like it's like and I'm sure you know this as well, but like if you go to like the sort of late 50s, like just the whole 50s in general, there wasn't really a lot of horror movies the way people used to know horror. Like there wasn't really a lot of like gothic horror movies like the universal monsters i guess the closest thing they really had was like the atomic age stuff like science fiction monster movie type thing that was kind of it yeah um i think to put it in perspective the last time universal had like frankenstein the wolfman and dracula together was in a parody film like think about that <laughs> abbott and costello meet frankenstein in 1948 <laughs> which almost 10 years before this movie you know, and obviously, like the fifties. What does everybody think of when they think of the fifties? Giant monsters, giant ants, aliens, alien invasion, the Blob, the movies of Ed Wood. <laughs> <laughs> Though credit credit to Ed Wood for actually also sort of attempting to bring back gothic horror a little bit in his own way, even if he also is sort of known for science fictiony stuff. Uh, uh, for sure and also just another hit we will do an ed wood episode <laughs> it is this it is, is gonna happen it is guaranteed it is gonna happen but but like yeah like especially at like the late 40s because they were just doing a bunch of monster crossovers universal at that point when we talk about this with with, with horror like sometimes it's hard for horror to compete with actual real life horrors i mean because 1945 you had you know the the atomic bombs you know you know, in Hiroshima and Nagasaki and, of course, the Holocaust. Yes. You know, and 
the, the, the universal monsters are just not scary compared to that. Like it's yo, know, like yeah, it's like even jumping to years later, we talked about this uh, before um, with nine eleven and just how that shaped horror films. And we even talk about how like with our current times with COVID and pandemic, which it's I feel like it is sort of already shaping things a little bit. Just just the kind of stuff that that's coming out with horror. Um, and so it's just when a, when a major world event happens that scares the shit out of people, like the, the one thing that is supposed to like entertainingly scare the shit out of you sort of loses its effect. And so that's why we would get like them or the blob or any of those types of monster movies or, or science fiction movies. Plus, you know, with the growing you know, technology and like people's fear of technology. That was also a big part of it. And so if you like, if, if like you were a horror fan and you lived in this era, you might've um, been wondering, like if you were an older person, especially who grew up loving the universal monster movies, you're probably like, why don't they make movies like that again? Or like, you know, where are these movies? And so in comes British uh, film studio, hammer horror as we've talked about before um they sort of revitalized the heart not just like gothic horror but horror in general and sort of taking those gothic horror concepts but like giving it a modern spin by making it a little bit more violent um throwing romance and sex in it to make it a little bit more edgy and it became a thing like you know so many movies were released from hammer uh so many people were influenced by hammer like roger corman who we'll be talking about later as well at some point very very soon <laughs> hint wink nudge next week <laughs> <laughs> literally next week uh, but it was it was a huge thing and like no one really no one really saw it coming but everybody was excited when it came because it it was like what they got but it was newer and it was in color and the movie that sort of kicked that off was this first movie, Curse of Frankenstein. Uh, and what it offered was this, this story that we were more or less familiar with, but shifting the focus away from the monster, which we knew with Boris Karloff, and putting it squarely on Victor Frankenstein, not Henry, Victor Frankenstein. And he was played very deliciously like sinister by Peter Cushing. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, he he's he, I think he's great in this role though. It's just kind of funny where it's like you see him as a kid like who by the way, young Victor in this looks like Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> he he really does. You can you can't help but like you can't help but think of him in little women. <laughs> now I'm just imagining Timothy Chalamet talk to Sir Sharonin about his plan to to bring back the dead. She's like, I don't think I like you anymore. I'm gonna go write my book. Thank you. But what about my reanimated corpse? And then Florence Pugh is just kind of cool with it. She's she's just like you know, just she just wants to join in. <laughs> just wants to have a good time. But and that's weird because then you have Paul, lovely Paul, good old Paul. You know, the the voice of reason. Of these two dudes. The voice of reason who looks like his older guy, but like he looks like a comparatively younger man. <laughs> he really does. And, uh, and they just have to put a little bit of gray on him. Just a little bit of gray just to make just him a stand little bit out. Like, like Peter Cushing looks like he could be his dad. 
so, something happened that just made him age rapidly in comparison. Yeah, um, but Peter Cushing is great in this, and, and you know, I, I like that it's a more villainous turn yeah. for this character. I mean, because I think about the Universal movies, and he's uh, he's just like Henry Frankenstein in those movies, the scientist. You know, he he. It's more misguided. Yeah. You know, it's misguided. he's he's maybe just overly ambitious, and like after the monster's created, he immediately regrets it. Right. Yeah. Whereas whereas Peter Cushing's like, no no no, I'm gonna keep going with this. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna going fix him. Stuff. I'm gonna make him better. I'm gonna get him a better brain that you ruined, Paul. Like uh, honestly, honestly, if Hammer wanted to do like a remake of um, *Bride of Frankenstein*, like they almost could have easily just had Peter Cushing as Pretorius because, oh, yeah. because I think he would he would have uh, fit that maybe a more serious Pretorius and let and less flamboyant, like a more reserved. Like he's still charming, but he's not as like he's more like inwardly sinister more than outwardly sinister. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's really the reason to see this movie. Honestly, he is um, he is terrific. He's so good. Um, and I and I really liked him as Van Helsing when we watched um, Horror of Dracula as well. So I was wondering how that was going to stack up. But especially he plays both very well. He's a great actor, <laughs> especially given like the contrast too. Because I think I think I would imagine for both of us, like our first real was 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 Tarkin the first time you saw Peter Cushing in anything when he was in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So, definitely. So, I think we both share that that our first experience with Peter Cushing was as an evil person, as you know, Tarkin in Star Wars, and so like going to like the Hammer movies, which he's he's in a, a huge amount of them, um, you know, to see like him as Van Helsing, like in the first of the movies, at least that I watched, was sort of a contrast. But then going to Curse of Frankenstein, I was like, okay, I feel more comfortable now. This makes sense to me. <laughs> he's he's of course of course he's excited. He's like Paul, come check this out. It was what was what it, I will say in a much more morbid and and scary sense. It made me think of like some of the times when you want to show me things, like when you're like check out this new Blu-ray I got, and then you just open <laughs> it and it's a pair of hands. Like oh, Joey. <laughs> Dude, you know, actually, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite shots in the whole movie is when um, Victor's getting the eyes. Oh yeah, and it's just with the hands. The hands. Um, that was really uh, clever and really well done. Um, you know, it's a it's a well made movie. Honestly, like I was never outside of like one element, which is not a big deal. Outside of one element, I was never taken out of it. Mm. Like I, 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 it felt like an A list. It felt like an A list, A budget kind of production. Even though I'm probably, I'm sure they probably had some budget constraints in there. I mean, somewhere. Yeah, they were just like making what they could, you know. And they, they worked on. Um, I think it was Bray Studios. I think it's called. Uh, it was which was like the legendary studios that Hammer made all their movies at. So like. You know, every every set has to sort of be rearranged there, and you know they shoot in different places, and so they they literally did everything in house. And then once they had right. once they started getting successes, then they just started pumping out movie after movie after movie. And Terrence Fisher, who directed this, as we I'm sure we talked about in the Horror of Dracula episode last year, um, pretty much directed. He was he was like the the go to like make. I think he was like making two movies at once probably a few times like you'd be like okay i gotta go over here direct this movie now i gotta go over here direct this movie 
It's like, right. like if you get like if you got like a like a Hammer Horror box set and you looked at like the credits on all those, guaranteed a, a good chunk of them will say Terrence Fisher on them. My question is, what would you say is your favorite Hammer movie? Honestly, as far as like the old run, honestly, it might be this one. Like, which is like I've I've only seen like a handful of them at this point. Um, but this one, my least favorite one, you could probably guess. <laughs> <laughs> if you listened to our first Halloween episode, you might know. Uh, <laughs> is it that uh, the, the werewolf? I can't even remember it's the name. The, the Curse of the Werewolf with Oliver Reed. That just sounds lame. <laughs> That's the full title too, with Oliver. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I do want to see the the Herbert Lom Phantom of the Opera. Yes, because I've seen clips clips of that, and I was so tempted to buy it at Suncoast the other day um i definitely still want to pick it up <laughs> i watched I, I think i watched that one last year when, when it was around this time because i think it, it came in one of the box one of the two box sets that i have i think it's the universal box set because universal owns a good chunk of like the american distribution right. for hammer horror but no i think this one is there's something sort of special about it i think because it, while it's sort of like the prototype for that that every hammer horror would sort of do later. Like there's just something about it that sort of like mesmerizing a little bit and just the use of color. Like I, we talked about this last time, but the, like the fact that it's such a colorful movie, which even today still feels so unique to a horror movie. The colors are distinct. I mean, again, that's the technicolor process, you know, especially your reds and your greens are going to look really vibrant and really just, in your face so when you see when you see like the scenes that are of blood in this you really like it's like oh it's like a bright red yeah it's like it's a very specific color type of blood too which i kind of prefer that a little bit more than like traditionally what we're used to with like the the you know corn syrup food coloring whatever you know version that just it's got that sort of darker color to it versus like this sort of it looks like like it, it looks fake, but at the same time, there's something sort of like intense about it. Maybe, you know, I think there's like a vi- sort of visceral, yeah. like low budget. Sometimes when you have like a low budget and something crudely made, I feel like that gives off a more eerie vibe. Like I think about stop motion, mm-hmm. right? And I still th- like the the King Kong original King Kong is the scariest King Kong because you know that creature was brought to life by stop motion. And it, 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 you know, frame by frame and all that. And it's just a grueling process and it comes through. It's just a gritty looking thing that when you see like blood, I know my friend's like, oh, that's fake blood. It's nothing. I'm like, yeah, but there's something different about that. Yeah. Like you watch something like the, when you see it like in the Godfather or like I, the Godfather's, for example, I think of, cause there's like, you know, people getting shot in that movie or whatever. And right. It's like such a visceral thing to look at, especially blood in like Technicolor, you know? Um, but yeah. And I just I also find it interesting too. This movie's told in flashback. Yeah, basically, because like the the fir- it's sort of framed the same way as like Caligari, and that like the whole thing is told from this flashback perspective, and we are so it lets us know from the jump this guy's crazy. This guy's so, somewhat of a loon. You know, he's coming in. He's talking to you know the people in the jail he's at, and I think he's he's talking to a priest. I think. And while he's clearly like a hardcore scientist, he's like, like you know that like the the crazy like super religious person in some like you know 
apocalyptic movie, so like you know we need to follow the word of the Lord. I almost feel like Victor Frankenstein's the the antithesis of that. Like he's like the science version of that in a way, right? And so it's just already sort of interesting that you're starting off the movie with this crazy scientist talking to a priest. <laughs> it almost feels like a joke, a little bit like crazy scientist and a priest walk into a bar. You know, I, I, one of my favorite things though is when they bring back the puppy. Mm-hmm. Like, and like, it's yeah. it's such a like a uh, such an awe like you know you know. It, 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 it's a nice buildup too, because you're like, obviously, because if you're familiar with Frankenstein, you know, you know his shtick is something's gonna, you know what the thing is, stuff's gonna hit the fan. But like, they bring back a puppy, like so. Of course, these guys are good, and I like how even Paul, like his partner in all this, is going. There's so many things we could apply to this, and Victor's like, no, we're not done. What do you mean? We have more to do. <laughs> And, and we actually, when we were watching it, we were actually joking that this was the the, the, the actual origin story for Joey and I making the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast, cri- played by Christopher Lee, <laughs> turns into a monster. That's the, if it were any of our episodes where a monster would be the Star Wars episode. <laughs> Which, hey, it's appropriate. It is Christopher Lee, after all. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> On that note. Um, Christopher Lee is in this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, it feels like a huge side note. <laughs> He's, listen, like, this movie is definitely a showcase for Peter Cushing, make no mistake. Like, this is his movie. I think Dracula is more, uh, I, I think, I think you do get sort of a center stage look for, uh, for Peter Cushing in that one, because he's the Van Helsing character, but that is more of, like, Christopher Lee's movie, I think, between those two. Um, but Christopher Lee is in this, and he plays the monster. And he's... Yeah, he's alright. Yeah. <laughs> he do- he serves his purpose as the tall guy. You know, it makes me think of, uh, an, like, Lon Chaney Jr. Because Lon Chaney played the Wolfman, of yeah. course. He was in Son of Dracula. He was the Frankenstein monster. And he was the mummy a bunch of times. But guess what? I'm not like the his mummy is just kind of whatever, but I'm not gonna hold it against him because it's like, hey, I'm in another monster movie. I'm getting paid. That's what it is to do this. It's what it is. Like obviously, it's kind of like so. I kind of think of it like that where it's like, yeah, Lee is like obviously probably a better Dracula than he is um, a Frankenstein creature. Mm-hmm. Just like Lon Chaney Jr. is a better Wolfman than he is, you know, the mummy. Right, but. You know, he's still, I think he's fine. I think the look is memorable, especially that wig. <laughs> the wig or like, the, the, he's got like one bad eye and he's got like, they try to make it look more grotesque. Yeah. Whereas like, like if you look at Boris Karloff, he's more, like he's, his look is obviously clearly iconic, but it's not as grotesque necessarily. You have smaller, more subtle details like the, the, the collapsed in cheek or like the bolts in his neck or like the flat top, but like right. with... With Christopher Lee, he's got, like, a big scar on his face. He's got, like... He looks mangled, essentially. Right. You know, and we were talking about, like, this idea of, like, this horror versus science fiction. And the... the Funny enough, like, the, the Boris Karloff Frankenstein is feels more, like, science fiction-y. Especially with the, the square... Like, the, the, the squared-off, like, head. This mm-hmm. guy is just, like, a dude in a trench coat. <laughs> he's a dude in a trench coat with some, you know... 
effective, if not, you know, somewhat cheap but effective makeup on doing his thing. Yeah. Um, it is sort of fun to watch the movie and see, like, the seam on his on the neck piece is sort of folded up, so you see his real neck. <laughs> so you're like, oh, hey, what's up, Christopher Lee? <laughs> I see I you. I see you, man. Don't worry. I see you. <laughs> There's some there's some shocking parts in this. Oh yeah, I think about the scene where because there's like an affair relationship thing that that the doctor has with with infidelity with the maid and he 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 she gets killed (laughs) so bad it's like jeez oh no it really just shows how much of an awful person this version of like victor of like frankenstein is that's why i think the title is very apt i know a lot of people would probably watch it and maybe get disappointed because it because the monster is not a, a prominent thing but it's like it's not really about him and and we really see just how awful a person is he is for one um he's cheating on the grant i mean granted it's his cousin but you know it is olden time so that's their whole thing and plus it's i think that's how it is in the book too right elizabeth is his cousin yeah, I mean, yeah, that's just kind of how how it was. Like, if it's a, your cousin, whatever, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, get married. It's like, sorry, there's there's your cousin. Get married. Really? Yeah, gotta do it. Sorry, but like, um, he cheats on her with the maid, and when the maid finds out, she's like confronts him about it, and he's like, "What do you think you're gonna do? Nothing." <laughs> like he like he's just not phased at all. Then he just locks her up in a room with the monster, and he just like. Just we don't see what happens, but you could guess it's not bad, not good. I mean, yeah. Again, it goes back to that point where like Colin Clive's Doctor Doctor Frankenstein in the Universal movies, he's very much like he made it was like he had one bad night and he has to forever regret this. He just like I still picture like in Bride of Frankenstein, he's just sitting there in the bed, just like sort of distraught. What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, whereas like Peter Cushing, Peter Cushing, I'm just like you bastard, like you piece of garbage. He just like he pushes a guy off, like a like a poor old scientist, like just so he can have his brain. He pushes him off the banister, and that's pretty that's pretty intense to watch too because they don't really like shy away from no that you actually like, see him hit. Like a- which is insane. Granted, it does take the you know fake floor wallpaper stuff off the ground a little bit, but you're you don't notice it because you're just going. Like, he, just, he just pushed this guy over. What the hell? I know a lot of people have mentioned it as like sort of like the iconic, like sort of moment as far as like violence. But you also have to remember, like violence to us now is very different to how violence was to like them back in the day. There's some right. things they're not used to. So like. Um, there's a scene when Victor and Paul go hunting to try and find the monster. Paul shoots the monster in the eye, and you and you just see freaking Christopher Lee recoil and blood flinging out of his hand and cover and like starting to drip down his hand, like while he's covering his wound. Which I, you don't see like the eye wound, but you see the blood, which is enough. Yeah, and then and then later you see like his eye just goes all black, like it's just gone basically so it's just it's like moments like that just that was that was like those moments were like indications that you know this is this is us giving you something that you probably missed but in a very different way 
Yeah. And the other thing I was thinking about the monster's creation, too, was, like, in the in Universal movie, they have, like, the abnormal brain, mm-hmm. which we're also going to talk about in the second movie. Like, I like that this movie, it's, there's just brain damage. There's just, like, like they got a good brain, but, the, like, stuff went it's wrong. Stuff went wrong, and he broke the he broke the jar against something. He goes, you broke it! You damaged it, Paul! You damaged it! <sighs> <laughs> I'm glad we haven't had that moment yet with the podcast. Like, Joey, you damaged it. <laughs> like, instead of me just going, oh, no, I'm going to have to record this, we'd be like, Joey, you broke it. <laughs> you damaged it. How could you? It was great when I handed it to you. <laughs> oh, man. But I, this is a pretty great movie. I, I'm glad we watched this. Uh, this is on Blu-ray through the Warner Archive. And... One thing I really appreciate is it includes the three as- different aspect ratios you can watch on it. Like that's kind of neat. That I f- that I figured you would love the most. It's like the the different formats or just that whole thing. Because Water Archive is really like a label for like more obscure, not necessarily obscure, but like titles that might not get a Blu-ray release otherwise. Yeah. So when I found out it was a two-disc Blu-ray release, I was actually very pleasantly surprised. Um, and it looked the movie looks great on Blu-ray. It's it looks fantastic. so good. And it, in fact, Joey shows off his Blu-ray when uh, he did one of his episodes of Dude Two's Pickups. Yes, which actually, because of my recent Blu-ray haul, I might have to record one of those uh, this. I was week. gonna say it is your turn. But it yeah. is. Listen. Man. <laughs> Listen. I'm still editing the white key episode. <laughs> no rush. No It'll rush. Take Whenever time. you got a second to record yourself talking about your movies, just let me know and I'll put it together. Yeah. Do we have anything else that we want to say about this one? Well, actually, I was I know I know obviously you sort of you voiced your opinion, but my big thing was obviously I was showing this to you. So like what was your ultimate sort of takeaway from all of from just watching this for the first time? Well, you know, cuz I was thinking about um when we watched Horror of Dracula, right? And how that sort of changes the story. And there were some interesting things going on. But also, because I'm, as you know, I'm a huge Universal Monsters oh, yeah. fan. Like, I, I watch those movies religiously. You know, I watch them. I watch Dracula multiple times a year just because, you know, it's a 70 minute movie. And I have <laughs> you know, because so sometimes with like horror, so sometimes with Horror of Dracula, like, I really, I really liked it. But there were definitely parts where I'm like, I might. I would probably rather watch the universal one. Just a personal one. preference, yeah. Just, just a personal preference. Whereas this one, this one, I my it overcomes my my nostalgia for the universal Frankenstein. Really? I I put them about at the same level for different reasons. You know, like I I like um, certain approaches with the um, the universal one. You know, like James Wells a great director. And Colin, I think Colin Clive, Colin Clive and Boris, Boris Karloff, that, I think the dynamic, the relationship between the monster and the creation, I think is very well done. And plus they were able to have it like, you know, with Bride of Frankenstein, I think they do a good job expanding on that as well. This one has a great ending. Like that ending is fantastic. Whereas the ending of the other one's like, ha ha ha, that was sure something. <laughs> like, tell me I'm wrong. That's how the other. That's how. That's how it ends. <laughs> it's, 
you know, so like they're both like they're both great movies for for different reasons for me. That's cool. But it was most surprising for me because, like I said, I you, you know I'm huge Universal Monsters fan. It's like you know some of the movies I'll just rewatch out of comfort. Most so of it was sort of like you were saying, it was able to like transcend that. It was able to transcend my rose colored glasses for that's for the nineteen thirty one. That's actually that's pretty so, cool actually. So if you want. <laughs> Like a real like Richard's opinion matters, which is which is fine. He is the other host of the show. However, my opinion in this instance matters more. No, no. Just, just and because... Normally, I would disagree with you, <laughs> <laughs> but in this instance, I one hundred percent agree that I think I was. I your opinion mattered much more than mine in this because I've seen this probably. I think with this time, I've seen this movie probably seven or eight times. Oh, no, not seven. Six. Probably six at this point. But, dude, it was so nice watching a movie that was just 83 minutes. <laughs> it's, it is, or however long it is this not was. that long. It is 83 minutes long, and you get three separate aspect ratios, and it has two discs. So many. This is just a commercial now for this Blu-ray. Go pick it up. <laughs> yes, definitely, uh, definitely pick that one up. I think Steve Haberman does a commentary track on that one. Um, I think he, he co-wrote or was one of the writers on Dracula Dead and Loving It and has a commentary, a really good commentary track on the Universal um, Dracula. You are correct. He does. Uh, it's audio commentary with, with Steve Haberman and Constantine Nazar, the film historian and filmmaker. So there you go. Pretty neat. Pretty neat. Um, with that said, we're going to take a brief, uh, brief, brief, brief intermission but during the intermission, we have some exciting things. We have the third episode of our radio drama, Two Dudes, One Homicide. When we come back, we're going to talk about, um, uh, you know, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to mention this, uh, Frau Blucher. <laughs> Stop whistling. Okay. Walking down the road with my best friend Richard. Going to Manfrotto's home diddly dip. Uh, turd. Okay, whistling was better than singing. That reminds me. Ever since I first heard your radio show a few years back, I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, you fanboys are always so demanding. I'll stop singing if you answer my question. Okay, fine. Ask your question. What's your favorite movie? My favorite movie? Don't you want to ask me something interesting? Like last week, for instance, I interviewed Jennifer Lopez. It was one of the most beautiful conversations. We talked about spelunking in the salt caves of Yugoslavia. Do you want to know how many people die from breathing in salt fumes every year? No, thank you. 80,000 people die every year in the salt caves. Well, that's depressing. No, it's not. Well, okay, yeah, it is sad. But, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting little factoid. I like the show better when you talked about movies. <sighs> okay, do you really want to know what my favorite movie is? Oh, boy, do I. Okay. It's Paddington. <gasps> I love that movie. Really? Wow, that's cool. 
The plotline is gripping, the acting superb, and the animation is just so realistic. Yes! Yes, exactly! That's why I love that movie! We both love Paddington! We have something in common! Yeah, yeah, I guess we do. What's your favorite movie? Godzilla! Godzilla? The plotline is gripping, the acting superb, and the animation is just so realistic. Oh. Well, that's true. We're here. Whoa. This place is massive. Hmm. Are you sure this is the place? That's his car in the driveway. I don't know, Richard. This place looks abandoned. It's probably just the lighting. I'm a pretty strong swimmer. I bet I could swim across the lake to the Emporium. Let's just forget about- No! We need his boat. Come on, let's get this over with. Mr. Frotto? Is there anyone home in the house? I would like to speak to the owner of this house. Hello? No answer. Ring the bell. There is no bell. Wait, hold on. There's a note tacked to his wall here. What does it say? Rotten floorboards, watch your step. Ah! Richard! Oof! Richard, are you okay? Yeah, I think so. I fell into his basement. Don't worry, though. I landed on my keys. I'll try to get into the house and we'll meet you down there. Okay. I'll be down here. Okay. This place isn't creepy at all. It's real cozy. And warm. Who's coming? Long John Silver, Silver, Silver. Long John Silver? Well, it makes sense a bird watcher would have a pet parrot. That's a dirty word. Mildred's a pretty bird. Mildred? Is that your name? That's what I said. Get the fat out of your ears. Well, Mildred, it was nice meeting you, but I've got to go back upstairs. Upstairs people are not my people. I'm downstairs people. There's so much junk down here. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. Of course he has a collection of porcelain dolls. I mean, yo, what? Why wouldn't he? Ugh, this one's especially creepy. Look, don't touch! Look, don't touch! Okay, fine. I'm putting it down. All these trinkets and baubles, just junk, trash everywhere. Where's the exit? The time has come for closing doors. Come on, Joey, where are you? Joey? Joey, is that you? Joey, Joey, Joey! Joe is the color that my true love wears. Richard! Ah! Look at this cool music box I found! Joey! Joey! <laughs> Thank God it's you. Uh, Richard, are you feeling all right? I'm not, no. I'm fine, okay? No, I'm fine, I promise. 
Now let's get upstairs and get that freaking boat, all right? Come on! Hey, R R Richard, wait. Richard, wait. No, I'm leaving. But look at all these VHS tapes he has. I said no! I'm not spending any more time in Manfrotto's man cave. Wow. He has the 25th anniversary director's cut of the forgotten Disney classic, The World's Greatest Athlete. Come on! Let's go! Richard! Richard! What? He has a copy of Gamera vs. the Teens of Surf City, USA. That movie sucks! Let's go! I've been trying to find this for years. I'm sure Manfrotto won't mind if I borrow it. Fine, whatever, just take it. Let's go. We're wasting time. <gasps> and he has a cassette tape collection over here. I want to see what kind of music he's into. Joey. MC Cannibal Rasta. I wonder what genre this is. Oh, God, that's terrible. Turn it off. Well, if you don't like MC Cannibal Rasta, I'm sure he'll have a Huey Lewis and the News tape somewhere in here. We don't have time for this, Joey. Hmm. This is strange. What is? This one's labeled Manfrotto Vocal Test. What? That is strange. Put it in the boom box. Test, test, one, two. Is this thing on? Who's that? Golden cheeked warbler. Golden cheeked warbler. <sighs> Was that it? Or the master cometh. <clears throat> Hello, boys. Hello, boys. <gasps> Mr. Frotto! <laughs> oh, oh man. We were we were just um Snooping around my basement on the sly. No, 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 <laughs> nothing like that. See, we were just trying to find your doorbell, and I happened to fall through the rotten floorboards. A likely story. I find it quite believable as well. <gasps> Look at what you've done to my dolls. I just picked one up to get a closer look. These are alphabetized, and little Susie Van Steinberg, placed next to Gretel Jones, simply will not do. <gasps> and Barbara Jean Bailey's bow is askew. I'm sorry. Get out. Get out while I sort out this mess. Get out! Get out! Get out! Get out! Get out of my house! Come on, Joey. But what about the boat? All I want is to get out of this house. Where's the front door? Right this way to the foyer. Hmm. Don't you remember where you came in? Should be right through this door. Nope. Great. We're in the bathroom. Richard! Richard, come in! Richard here. Go ahead, Kenny. John escaped! Ah, uh, phooey. John escaped? How? He had a razor blade in his shoe. Then he jumped up, quick as a flash. It beat me away with his fist. He was so fast, screaming like a maniac. What? You're breaking up. Hello? Kenny? We have to get back to the house before John finds us. Okay, let's go. Where's the tape? I could have sworn I left it downstairs. This will ruin everything. <gasps> Man, Frodo. He's looking for something. The VHS tape I borrowed? Why would he be so upset about Gamera versus the teens of Surf City, USA? Let me take a look at the cover. Okay. 
Joey, this is the 50th anniversary Director's Cut Edition! Oh no! We're screwed! It's not here. They must have taken it. We If I find them, I'll kill them. We've got to get out of here! Come on, this way! They couldn't have gone far. I'll have to hurry. <gasps> Through this door. It's the door to the bathroom again! We went in a circle! Gracious, you're right! It's so dark in here. He's coming this way! Shut up, shut up, shut up! <gasps> what was that? He heard it. Sounds like our visitors have decided to stay the night, Mildred. <sighs> we must fetch the hunting rifle. <gasps> oh no! I told you to get out while you had the chance. Hurry! Through here! There's the foyer. The time has come for closing doors. I see you. Shut up, Mildred. Hurry, Richard. In here. Lock the door. Just wait till I get the axe. Great. He's gone to get the axe. We bought ourselves some time anyway. Well, on the bright side, we locked ourselves in the kitchen. What would you like for your last meal, Richard? I'm not giving up yet. We can climb out through this window. It's been super glued shut. Shall we raid the pantry? Nothing like a tin of beans before one meets a gruesome end. Huh. There's no food. Maybe he filter feeds. Little pigs, little pigs, let me in. He's back! Oh no! Not by the hair on your chinny-chin-chin. Joey, look! I see his boat tied to the dock outside. Then I'll huff, and I'll puff. But the window's sealed with glue! And I'll blow your house in. Oh, the heck with this. Here comes a Reaper now! Richard, quick, let's make for the boat. Ouch! Ow, 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 ow. Look what you've done to my window. Jump in! Start the engine! Start the engine! I'll get you for this. <laughs> we did it! We survived! I can't believe it! Ow. And all it took was you maiming yourself to save us! Uh, I need some band-aids. Well, hang in there, buddy. We're close to the Emporium now. Good. This is getting serious, Joey. We can't be stranded here for three days with both John and Manfrotto out to get us. When we get to the Emporium, I'll call my manager, get her to send a helicopter to airlift us out of here. A helicopter? Oh boy, I can fly a helicopter. Wow. Really? Yep. Got my license 12 years ago when John tried to rob a bank in Wooster. I was supposed to airlift him off the top of the building, but on my way to the bank, I had a change of heart and decided to become an aerial cartographer in Malaysia. Wow. You know, you should come on my show and talk about that. Eh, sounds like a boring topic, though. That's not boring. You're like the most interesting person I've ever met. Kill shucks. No, I mean it. 
like, next week, if you're free, we could... <gasps> hey, look! There's the Emporium! It's nice in there! They have escalators and everything! The what? Oh. Yeah. The Emporium. Okay. What, have you patronized the place before? Uh-huh. John and I came by earlier to pick up some beef jerky for our road trip to Canada. Did you meet Kara? John said he did, but... I was riding in the escalators. You have to tie the boat to the dock. Do you know how to tie a knot? Nobody, nobody, no. I thought you said you were a boy scout. I never got my knot tying badge. I'd rather not talk about it. God, this is so frustrating. Imagine me, Richard Purnell, soiling his lily white hands, tying some stupid boat to the dock. Now, did I hear somebody say the word knot? Jeez! Hello! God, you scared me! Who are you? My name's Wade Sykes. I'm known by one or two other names, such as Miscellaneous Townsperson number 375 and Steven. <laughs> okay. Do y'all need help tying up your boat? Why, yes, we're in a bit of a hurry, actually. Sir, we can hear you perfectly fine without the megaphone. Are both of y'all strangers in this fine town? Yes, we're just visiting. Are you look like from the city? What with those fancy clothes you got on? <laughs> I'm actually from Wooster. Oh, you look nervous, Wooster boy. I'm not. Oh, good, good. I wouldn't want some dude from Booster who's been riding around my lake in the middle of the night dressed up in those clothes to be nervous. <laughs> Your lake? My lake. I'm the boatmaster here. I rent out every boat on Apple Valley Lake. Sounds like an exciting line of work. Oh, you meet all kinds of people. Well, Mr. Sykes, thanks for tying a knot for us, but we really have to be going. Oh, are you boys going up there to see Miss Kara? <laughs> That's the plan. Well, if you see her. <laughs> Tell her Wade Sykes says hello. <laughs> if you ask me, Wade Sykes is a strange and weird character. Yeah, well, I guess some people have to be creepy to balance out all the normality. Wait! We must look both ways before crossing the road. There's not a car in sight. Come on, let's get this over with. Oh look, my Subaru is still parked outside. Why would you leave your car here? John said we had to ditch it here. Kara Haskell's Tackle Castle. A fishing theme is implied? Maybe we can find some batteries for your walkie-talkie while you're here. Good thinking. I need to make sure to warn Kenny about Manfrotto. I'm gonna ride the escalators. Hello? Hello? Assistance? I'd like to buy some batteries. Hello? Anyone here? Escalators! Nobody? Of course batteries would be located behind the counter. See, what kind of batteries does this thing need? Ugh, AAA. Of course it. AAA. I'm sure Carl wouldn't mind if I step behind the counter. 
Double A, quadruple A, nine ball, triple A, here we go. Kenny? Kenny, come in, please. Kenny? Richard, where are you? I'm at the Emporium. Listen, I need to warn you about Manfrotto. You stole this tape. How did you know? He just came by the house. Listen, I really think you guys should give it back to him, okay? He seemed really upset. Are you okay? You sound scared. I'm fine. Just a little shaken up. Are you running? Look, how about I meet you at the Emporium? and I'll take it back to Manfrotto, okay? Well, what about John? If he's running loose in the woods, everyone in Apple Valley's in danger, especially Joey. I can call the police from here. Don't call the police till I get there. That sounded like Mildred. I don't know what you're talking about. Is Manfrotto with you now? No, no, of course not. Kenny, if you're... Just give me 15 minutes. Bye. This is bad. If that was Mildred, then Kenny must be with Manfrotto. I'll call the police here. Miss Haskell? Hello? I need to use a phone. Looks like a break room. Hello? Anyone here? There's a phone. County Police Department. What is the nature of your emergency? Ugh, where do I start? There's a lot going on here, but the main thing is there's an escaped convict loose at Apple Valley Lake. Did you say Apple Valley? Yes, Apple Valley Lake Resort. There's also a guy holding my friend hostage, so... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm gonna stop you right there. Okay, here's the thing. The road is watched out, so there's really no way we can get a unit to your location. What? Talk to the park rangers. Maybe they can help you. Wow, okay, um... Huh. Thanks, I guess. Don't mention it! Why does that guy sound like a rejected Muppet? Come on, pick up. Do you have any idea what time it is? Deidre, I'm sorry, I know it's late, but this is an emergency. I'm not at the office, Richard. That means I'm done dealing with your crap. But- Do you know where I am right now? No. I'm sitting courtside at a Lakers game with Justin Bieber. Four-time Nickelodeon's Kids' Choice Awards winner, Justin Bieber? You know Justin Bieber! I'm his freaking manager, you jerk. I didn't know that. I thought you only managed me. You're like the least famous p- Woo! John Johnny's in! You suck! You're the least famous person I manage. Okay, whatever. I don't have time for this. Oh, you don't have time for this. Oh, I'm so sorry I interrupted you. Maybe I could call you back at a better time. Dietra, just listen to me for two seconds! My life is in danger! What does that have to do with me? If I'm dead, you won't get paid. Oh, crap. Alright, fine. What's going on? Okay, so... I went to Apple Valley Lake to spend the weekend with this guy I know. Because you told me I needed to find a partner, and on the way, I ran over a guy's leg. Oh my god, you're so boring. Okay, okay, long story short, I've got two maniacs trying to kill me, and I can't leave Apple Valley because the road's washed out. I need you to send a helicopter to come pick me up. I'll see what I can do. Give me a call back in an hour, and I'll tell you when it's coming. An hour? I've got two psychopaths hunting me down. How am I supposed to keep these savages back for a whole hour? I don't know. 
You've seen Rambo, right? Yeah. So just ask yourself, what would Stallone do? What, what would Stallone do? What would Stallone do? He, he would find a weapon. Yeah, that's probably what he would do. So just find yourself a weapon and, and try your best to think like Stallone until the helicopter gets there. Think like Stallone. Okay, I think I could do that. Thanks, Deitra. Talk to you in an hour. Whatever. Weapons. That's what I need. Oh, man, who am I kidding? I'm no Arnold Schwarzenegger. I've got a bad feeling about this. I've got a sinking feeling That danger's growing all around I've got the strangest feeling That I'll never get out now Escalators going Escalators going down, 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 down What a way to spend the day Making friends along the way Escalators always bring me down But in a good way Escalators going on. God, there must be some way out. Well, I just I can't I'm out my of luck. Gee, I'm happy. Someone help me. I know I'll be. I will never be. Joey, quit riding the escalators. Richard, is a helicopter on the way? It should be here in an hour, but first we gotta do what Stallone would do and find some weapons to defend ourselves. Oh boy, that sounds exciting. Let's see. Fishing, canoeing, golf? Where's the hunting section? Maybe it's upstairs. Alright, let's go. Oh boy, oh boy, escalators. Joey, wait, hold on. What? There's a crossbow on the floor over here. Oh yeah, that looks like the one John was carrying. I shall guard it with my life and return it to him as a token of our friendship. The hunting room. Hello? Miss Haskell? The sound effects were a nice touch. I guess hunting's a pretty big deal out here. This place is massive. They have a virtual tour! Mito! Since the dawn of man, the human race has relied on its ability to hunt for game in order to survive. Here in the hunting room, 
We have many examples of ancient weaponry that our ancestors would have used to kill. On your right, if you look, you'll see a simple leather strap. Hmm, quite simple indeed. This is the most basic example of a slingshot. Notably different from the slingshots we use today, this early example relies on centrifugal force rather than a strip of rubber to propel it forward at speeds great enough to pierce skin. Ancient man would have used this weapon by placing a rock in its pouch and swinging it above his head, releasing the rock at terminal velocity into the skull of his victim. I gotta get me one of those. This place gives me the creeps. Moving on to another weapon used by primitive man, we have the bow and arrow. Humans have used the bow and arrow for hunting and aggression long before recorded history. And the practice was common to many prehistoric cultures. Fascinating, isn't it, Richard? Yeah, thrilling, but we have no time for this. Just a little longer. Please! Look, we're almost at the end. We can't stop now. Okay, five more minutes, but then we skedaddle, okay? Oh boy, oh boy. Now that we've visited with our ancient ancestors, let's take a trip to modern times. Here we have a gun. Hey, I think it's malfunctioning. A gun is used to kill, kill. <laughs> Let me go back to the start and reset it. This place is so dimly lit, it's like Applebee's in here. I can't see squat. Why am I even still carrying the stupid crossbow? Okay, this is such a bad idea. I'm leaving. Joey, I'm leaving. Goodbye. Joey? And once the archer engages the trigger mechanism. I said I'm leaving, Joey! I said I'm leaving! This place goes on forever. I feel like I'm going in circles. Joey, turn that off. Joey, where's the exit? In Joey. Darkness. Joey. Finally, the door. This must be the exit. This concludes our tour. You are now entering the gift shop. Be sure to say hello to Miss Haskell on the way out. Now let's get Joey in. Ah! Oh my god. Oh my god, it's a body! It's a freaking dead body! God, oh man, oh god, oh man, oh god, oh man, oh god. Oh no. It's okay. It's okay, breathe. Breathe, Richard. Ma'am? Are you alive? Miss Haskell? <laughs> this is a joke, right? <laughs> you got me! This is a joke! Joke's over! Okay? It's not fun anymore! Oh no, there's an arrow in her head. Oh, this looks really bad considering I'm holding a crossbow right now. Drop your weapon and get on the ground! <gasps> you killed... You killed Kara! No! No! This isn't what it looks like, I swear! That's my crossbow! 
So you're the creep who broke into the station too. No, 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 no. I found this outside the hunting museum. I could tell you were no good the second I laid eyes on you. I'm good. I'm good. Deputy Ranger Kyle, come in, deputy. Looks like that anonymous phone call we got wasn't a prank. Kara Haskell's been murdered. Calm down, I'll tell you what to do. Okay. I have the murderer in custody and I'm bringing him in. Get one of the cells ready. We'll have to hold him over the weekend until the road is cleared. Listen, this is a misunderstanding. You got it all wrong. Save it for the judge, princess. Put your hands behind your back. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be held against you in a court of law. I've been framed, okay? She was already dead when I got here. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed to represent you before any questioning if you so desire. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, I understand, but I didn't kill her. All right, stand up. Let's go. Oh no, the paparazzi. Don't get too close. This one's dangerous. Right over here. Why'd you kill a car high school? I didn't kill anyone! Mr. Purnell, right over here, did you enjoy murdering a small business owner? No! So you did kill her, but you didn't like her. I'm innocent! What can you tell us about this heinous crime, man? As the arresting officer, I feel I can give the opinion that this crime was heinous. Oh my god, I can't. He shot her in the face with a crossbow. Death was instantaneous. Officer, one more question, please. Is it your opinion that you enjoyed killing People, please, calm down. That's all I'm allowed to say at present. We'll learn more from the coroner's report, and I'll personally hold a press conference once the autopsy has been conducted. I can't believe this is happening. Believe it, sweetheart. It's the stony lonesome for the rest of your life. I have to call my agent. back welcome back to two dudes one double feature in our last segment we talked about the curse of frankenstein for our halloween extravaganza here on two dudes and you guys just listened to episode three of two dudes one homicide which um now that we're in a position on like last year where we can record these in advance we i will say right now we have not heard a thing so <laughs> i hope you guys liked it i mean john and kenny are like great at what they do so i imagine it's great but I'm just, it's weird to go into it without any, without knowing anything. No, because listen, listen, I know John and Kenny do A plus exceptional work. However, can you imagine if we didn't know who was working on this and we'd be like, what if this was crap? It's like we paid some like dude on like Fiverr. It's like, could you make this for us? <laughs> and then it just turns out like, oh, sorry about that one, guys. <laughs> like we have to just start putting a disclaimer a new disclaimer on all the episodes going yeah we know it's terrible we're sorry <laughs> <laughs> but either way i hope you guys are liking that uh we're, we're putting a lot we're, we're going a little bit more crazy with it this year but you know we and it's a musical so uh have you have you gotten a song yet joey or like have they told you about a song that you do i know you have one i was singing like with the group at one okay. point but, you know, I only recorded the first two episodes um, okay. so far. You know, I, I think John sent me the first, like, four, I want to yeah. say. So I got I to gotta double check on that. We, we rewrote the ending. I'm not going to say what it is because it's kind of a nice, like, surprise. Did I tell you what it was? The ending? The new ending? 
you might have but honestly i'll it'll be a surprise when i uh when i re-listen it'll be a cheese pizza and an ice cream cake (laughs) (laughs) which that's a good thing um no i'm actually excited to see how it all plays out i'm excited whenever john finishes the first episode to listen to that my mom's in it fun fact i can which i could say now uh because it's three we're three episodes later so people already know but yeah my mom's in it (laughs) (laughs) the funny like i I, not to go off more on it but it was funny because i told her i was like could you could you do this please and she's like do i have to and i'm like you don't but we, we would like you to she's like okay so then she comes she comes home from work the next day and I'm like, Okay, you ready? She's like, What do I have to do? I'm like, here I'll show you and then I set up the microphone, I pull the script out, and I'm like I show her what she has to say and give her the contest. She goes, Oh, I could do that, that's fine. <laughs> she probably, I think she thought she had like a much more substantial like thing. But nah, like she's in it and she was funny. So I'm excited to hear it. Nice. It's always exciting when my mom shows up on the podcast, which is becoming frequent now (laughs) (laughs) hi mom i love you what so we talked about uh chris frankenstein as i said and now we're moving on to another frankenstein movie a very different frankenstein movie joey what is this movie we're talking about this movie is the 1974 this time american (laughs) comedy horror film by mel brooks Young Frankenstein. <laughs> it could work! <laughs> He's going to be very popular. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. This, um, this, we could quote this movie all day. And it would just be that. We wouldn't even talk about it. <laughs> just start throwing quotes out. <laughs> I ain't got no ball. Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> he was my boyfriend. <laughs> this, oh my god, young Frankenstein, guys. <laughs> this is a treat of a movie. Yeah, so. Young Frankenstein. Now, what's funny, we talked about Universal movies before this, so it's kind of funny we're, we're talking about a Hammer movie paired with something that is spoofing the Universal end of things. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's all good, you know, it's fine. Mm. But, yeah. Uh, so, obviously, Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks uh, did this, directed this one, mm-hmm. and... Uh, but, you know, like we did, like with the Willy Wonka, you know, when we talk about Willy Wonka, like, it really starts and ends with Gene Wilder. But, you know. <laughs> I mean, he's, is this the quickest amount of time it took for someone to reappear on our show, as far as people we've talked about? It might be. I think he's earned that. If there's, if there's someone that would have earned that, that position, I think it was him. He's probably, like, like it's like wherever he is, he's probably going, like, no, I don't want that honor. Why are you... Why, <laughs> why, why am I on this podcast? Stop talking about me. Jeez. Uh, but he... Because well, he had the idea for this. You know, he was like, Mel, we should do this. This is something I want to do. But he was like, I, 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 I want you to direct it, but I don't want you to star in it. So Mel Brooks is only, like, the sound effects... Like certain sound effects that you hear in the movie, 
he's isn't he like the cat? Is this a cat? I know I know for a fact he is a cat at one point. That's like row. There's a cat, and I think he appears as a villager. I was reading once. Doesn't he also? Because like, there's that whole flashback sequence, sort of in like in audio, where they're looking at the the laboratory. Is he? Isn't he the voice? Like that version's that movie's version of the doc of Victor Frankenstein or whatever. I think so. Like yeah, like basically like you know typically in a Mel Brooks movie he'll be like a noticeable character like in Spaceballs like I was talking about he was yogurt and he was president of space president Spaceballs president Scrooge or of Spaceballs or whatever his name is I yeah forgot about it already. <laughs> uh, That's but, just funny. Yeah no um like you know normally it's like oh Mel Brooks is notable in a Mel Brooks movie yes but in in this case um no he uh he is you know like vocal parts and very very small roles and um but it was also interesting too because reading a quote from him saying that uh brooks thought that this might be his uh his finest movie as a writer director i did hear that as well and i like i think there's there's something to be said about that because it, like it immediately makes me think of the whole like because there's so many writer director actors out there as well or like actors that be direct that become directors but also like direct themselves it's not easy to like direct something that you're that you're also in because you know you're wearing two separate hats and so it just makes it more difficult even if it's fun for you it doesn't mean it makes it any easier like I right. think of Ben Affleck, you know, directing himself in a ton of movies and probably how difficult that was, or like, um, even just myself, because like, I'm like some, 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 most of the short films I've made, I've been like the main character in, but one I was not, and it was much easier to make that one versus the ones I was actually in because right. I, I could have complete total control behind the camera and what I wanted everything to look like, which was nice. And so I imagine something like that came into play with Mel Brooks where he didn't have to worry so much about showing up at any particular part of the movie. He could just make it. Yeah. I could be wrong though, but that's my, that's what I think. I think it shows too in this movie that they had a love for this material. Like they clearly loved what they were, you know, what they were spoofing. Um, Cause just reiterate again, this is uh young Frankenstein is effectively like sort of a parody of the Universal, um, Universal Frankenstein movies, and the ones that Universal did, they did Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Son of, of Frankenstein. Frankenstein, Ghost of Frankenstein, um, and those later two play more into this movie mainly because those are movies with Frankenstein's descendants, like his son, like his like his sons, mm -hmm. and like and then like Basil Rathbone's kid in. Um, uh, in Son of Frankenstein, who, funny enough, was the voice of Bambi. Um, oh wow! <laughs> it could it, it could have feasibly have been Gene Wilder in that too, because I think they were the same age. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, if I'm not mistaken, I gotta double check that. But, um, uh, like, yeah. So so he 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 could be that the the grandson of Frankenstein, <laughs> like in the Universal movies too. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh but yeah it's like those people who are like have a hesitancy about their their you know the the elder frankenstein's legacy right and then they're they're sort of uh they're just pulled back into it they're roped back into it for one reason or another 
so once once you once you see it you you don't shy away from it essentially because like like with this with this particular story so we we are met we um we are met um what, what am i trying to say we meet that's what sorry <laughs> I think I'm still in a weird state after what just happened. <laughs> I'm just complimenting us for the way we reacted. Uh, no, I was fine. It's just it's just weird. Um, shakes you up a bit. Shakes you up a bit. A little, just a smidge. So um, we meet Gene Wilder, Frederick Frankenstein, or as he prefers, Frederick Frankenstein, <laughs> and anyone that tries to say otherwise is obviously incorrect. So he's Frederick Frankenstein, but he is, and he is a um, what like a he's a scientist, but like like what specifically, like for human anatomy or something? Oh, I mean, yeah, like when you when you watch him in the movie, he's teaching a course, you know, about like about the human brain. It feels like talking about like you know neuro surgery, like surgery you know, neurologist, whatever, you know, uh, he's a light, uh, lecturing physician according to the description, but <laughs> yeah, close <laughs> enough. Dr. Frankenstein. Uh, <laughs> so, um, he's teaching this class. It's one of my, it's, it's a, such a great opening scene on that note. Cause like, it really like lets you know, this is the type of movie you're in for. It's like, I still, I still love the bit when, uh, <laughs> when there's that one student that keeps badgering him. It's like, as a Frankenstein, aren't you at least a bit curious? Doesn't anything about your legacy just stir anything? And and he just starts screaming at him like, My grandfather's work was doo-doo! <laughs> <laughs> I am not interested in death! And he just, he's got a scalpel in his hand. You'd have a better chance of reanimating the scalpel! <laughs> <laughs> then he would have a, a, a bending a broken nervous system and he gets so worked up that he just like stabs himself in the leg on accident you know i i look at this performance and i feel like it's sort of a mid-ground between like the producers and um and like willy wonka <laughs> it really is. like middle of the road kind of thing because like if you ever see the producers he's such a nervous wreck my blankie <laughs> Get me back, my blue blanket! It's just this nervous, nervous I just, energy. I just get so nervous when people try to. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, and, and then he, he's in this in this movie. Like, obviously, he he's trying to control himself. There's times where he feels like he's confident, but he's clearly not the master of his domain. <laughs> he's, he's really not. Like, you know, because there's so many people who are just, like, 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 out, like, from, or just, just, Igor, Igor, uh, the wonderful, late, great Marty Feldman. Oh, my God. When they first meet, so, like, like, after Frankenstein gets, uh, the will, uh, for his, for Baron Beaufort von Frankenstein. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and then he go, he decides to travel to Transylvania to, like, you know, check out the castle and whatnot, his inheritance. 
And uh, he's he. I love I love the shot when he's standing at the train station. The smoke's enveloping him. The like the black and white almost looks like something out of like a, like a film noir type situation. And then you just you're like, Doctor Frankenstein. And it's like such a great thing. But then you see Marty Feldman just his smile. <laughs> and the the whole conversation between the two is. so so funny <laughs> like the weirdest like just the weird like semantics thing like which what uh, do, do you go by frodrick no frederick why is it just frodrick frankenstein it's that's no, it's frederick frankenstein i see <laughs> <laughs> and then he just i feel like he only he just i feel like he is igor but he just says he's igor to make fun of him <laughs> <laughs> he's like so you must be Igor now it's pronounced Igor but they told me it was Igor well they were wrong then weren't they <laughs> uh, and then the, the whole stare thing which apparently I just saw this on I think it was on Wikipedia but when he says walk this way and like with the cane thing apparently that was where they got the title for walk this way the song from Aerosmith but it's also like a notable like vaudeville like it's a, it's something that came from that sort of tradition, so it's kind of weird. <laughs> like this this weird like uh, connect the dots kind of story leads us to Aerosmith. Somehow, Rob Frankenstein led us to Aerosmith. Walk this way. Talk this way. way! <laughs> walk, walk. Do you hear me? Walk this. <laughs> people downstairs are like what is happening <laughs> what is going on but marty feldman is so good in this movie he's just he's so like ridiculously funny <laughs> just like i was saying earlier like when when he sings the song i've got no body and he's just like he's just the head <laughs> <laughs> i also love what when he, when he, like when they're talking about the brain abby normal <laughs> abby normal you're telling me I put an abnormal brain. 54 inch wide gorilla! Oh, there's there's so many good bits, but... So, okay, so, so Frankenstein. He and Igor, they meet up. And then um, they get ready to travel back to the Castle Frankenstein, where they meet Inga! Played by Terry Carr. So we got Terry Carr, who plays, uh, she's, she's meant to sort of, like, be, like, a parody of, like, the, the quote-unquote Hollywood, like, attractive woman. Not that she's not a good-looking person, but, like, obviously, like, all, like, her whole shtick is that she, like, so many innuendos, essentially. (laughs) Like, the first thing she says is, would you like to have a roll in the hay? (laughs) It's, or, pardon me, pardon me. Would you like to have a roll and say, hey? <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Roll, roll, roll in the hay. <laughs> oh my god. The, the, she, she, she's a lot of fun. Think about that candle scene. <laughs> oh, that scene's iconic. The candle scene. Put the candle back. back. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and just get, he gets squished by it. Don't listen to me very carefully. Don't put the candle back. 
with all of your might, shove against the other side of the bookcase. <laughs> and, then, and then she pushes it, and you just hear, Put the candle back! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But no, she's very funny. Um, so then they get to the castle, and... You know, it looks, like, I will say, for being, like, a spoof, like, they put a lot of work into, like, the music, the visuals, the castle itself looks really cool, the sets. Um, yeah, I want to give a shout-out to John uh, John Morris, I think, uh, is the composer's name, who did the music for this. Mm-hmm. He also he did the music for a lot of um, Mel Brooks movies, including Spaceballs, and I think the soundtrack <laughs> for, for both of those things are actually very fitting. Like, watching Spaceballs, <laughs> It, it is it is amazing. I'm like, this is exactly what you would imagine a parody of Star Wars would sound like. The music in this is perfect. It sounds like it would be it would come from a Universal um, Frankenstein movie, but also Kenneth uh, Strickfaden, who supplied a lot of the props. Now th- this is important because if you're a Universal Monsters fan, you know that he made some of that stuff for the original Frankenstein films. Mm-hmm. And they give him a credit on the movie, which I'm glad that they did. You that know? was cool. And it's just, it's just kind of a neat piece of, like, Hollywood history sort of connecting back. Like, because at this point, the original Frankenstein was, like, over 40 years old. Yeah. Which is kind of a weird thing to think about, because this movie is, like, almost 50. <laughs> and and a coinky-dink, given the, the American Werewolf in London episode, and how that, like, that played out. Like, oh, God. <laughs> It's the 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 march of time uh, doesn't stop; it just keeps moving. But um, you know, to get, like production wise, this is a top notch production. I think one of the big things with Mel Brooks was he was trying to get distribution through Columbia, but Columbia said no, we're not going to agree to your budget. And Fox, um, who ultimately distributed this, said yes to the budget. So we can thank Fox um, at least for that. You know, uh, clearly, like, you needed to spend that kind of money between just the costume design. Also, that's another thing we have to make note of, too, because black and white. We have to talk about black and white filmmaking for a bit. Yes. And we've talked about plenty of black and white movies, but not too many black and white movies that we talk about are made in the 70s. And not too no. many are made today. I mean, sometimes they are, but it's it's the kind of a thing where people think, oh, you, you just shoot it in black and white. And it's like, no, no, you can't. You cannot do that. It's actually it would it's actually more complicated because you have to figure out okay how does this color present in black and white how do certain colors like show up on on the black and white film it's an incredibly important element of it all yeah like there's just some colors that will not read correctly in black and white so like is there's a lot more it's not just washing the color out it literally is like okay what looks the best here how do we really make this look correct? Which is definitely a mentality for a lot of more modern movies because guaranteed, if you're watching a modern movie that's in black and white, it was intentional. Like, obviously they had no choice back in the day so that they work with what they got. These days, you know, like if you watch The Lighthouse, which is probably the most recent black and white movie that I can think of, Obviously, Robert Eggers intentionally wanted that to be black and white. Like, there was no thought of, like, oh, what if this was... No. It's black and white. Or, um, uh, the recent, um, like, 
was a tragedy of Macbeth. Oh, that, that that's coming out, yeah, from Joel uh, Joel Cohen. So I mean, like again, this is intentional. Yeah, because back in the day, like you really just shot black and white out of just the necessity of it, and also because, like, again, because tech color was a thing, but like especially in the days of like Frankenstein, two strip Technicolor is lavish, expensive, very difficult to do. Very, the film is is very difficult to handle. That kind of thing. Like I think I think about stuff like what Warner Archive did with the restorations of like uh, mystery, like Mystery of the Wax Museum and Doctor X, and it, it's just kind of it's kind of crazy. You know, like the, the budget goes up way up at that point, and then when you have bring in three strip Technicolor, like that's like reserved for like prestige productions and big musical things like Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind. You know, we talked about a number of technical, and eventually color became the you know standard. the dominant, yeah, dominant standard, of course. But again, you know, like it, ha- this movie had to be in black and white just because if you're really trying to capture that universal feeling, it wouldn't feel right if you shot this thing. Again. No, it really wouldn't. It just it, the black and white was such a necessary part of the whole thing, like you were saying, because it, it just wouldn't feel right. It's it's um what was i gonna say i lost my train of thought we were talking about like the black and white like it's just so integral to this movie like it's not just done for artsy fartsy reasons it's like or to um (laughs) or um i said i know you saw it but there's like a tweet that someone that someone shared that apparently people were like complaining about that Macbeth because it looks black and white to meet the quote-unquote what was it the a24 house style <laughs> it's like, have you listen? The first prominent movie that came out from A twenty four was Spring Breakers, and you think that is the house style, dude? It's so funny because I was seeing another post where it's just like, like uh, Marvel versus A twenty four, the battle for cinema. It's like, bruh, there's more than two studios. I know we're screwed because of monopolistic capitalist intents in Hollywood. But there's more than two studios. There's literally Dis- more than two. Disney has more than two studios in its own house. <laughs> and for those Ooh. people who just say that there's only Marvel and A24 movies, go see more freaking movies. Please. <laughs> and I say this to who's currently just watching episodes of Scooby-Doo because I don't have time to watch new movies anymore. <laughs> Go watch an episode of Scooby-Doo and feel happy about yourself. Just be happy, okay? Damn it! <laughs> but but the ladies in this movie are so funny. Every, oh my god. Oh, they're so funny. Oh. Madeline Kahn. <laughs> like at the scene at the train station as they're like seeing each other. Off. Oh my god. My favorite bit of that. Because like, so Madeline Kahn plays this version, this movie's version of Elizabeth. Who is um, the initial love interest with uh, Frankenstein? <laughs> and the first time we meet them, they're at a train station, and he's like trying to. This is, mind you, it, what's funny about it in modern context is that this feels like COVID, like aftermath, essentially. Like once the pandemic's over, this is just how we would react normally, like in the early days, just like please don't touch me. <laughs> so like, 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 so like he's. Like, trying to, you know, say goodbye and be romantic, but she's, like, perfectly dressed, so she does not want any of it messed up. So, 
at one point i love when uh like the very subtle moment when he hugs her and she goes taffeta darling taffeta sweetheart no the dress is taffeta it wrinkles so easily <laughs> i love when she when they when she goes meets them in, in transylvania and uh, marty <laughs> bites the scarf <laughs> Oh my god. Or like when he blows a kiss away, like when he blows a kiss to her when he's going away and he like tosses it and she and she dodges it because she didn't want her makeup to be messed up. Like <laughs> <laughs> Oh my like, god. Listen, R- Richard, I feel like uh, if I did that when we saw each other at uh, Orlando International Airport, you would you would be Madeline Cod and dodge it a hundred percent. No, 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 no. <laughs> No other way would I have done that. <laughs> just <been> like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh my God. I mean, in a certain way, I sort of did that to to poor Dom. He shook my hand. He was trying to shake my hand like a gentleman, and I said, "No." <laughs> Again, it should be emphasized. Dom Dom is a cool dude. I like Dom. Dom. I like. I hope Dom. he's doing okay. I'm sorry I didn't shake your hand. Just <laughs> uh but, but you know Cloris right. Leachman Cloris Leachman the legend that is Cloris Leachman who passed away not that long ago sadly so rest in peace Cloris Leachman obviously on that um but she is so she's probably like along with probably Marty Feldman she's probably my favorite character in the whole thing yeah She's so fun. Like, obviously, her whole, like, running gag is when you say her name, her character's name, the horses, like, freak out. <laughs> and, like, I, saw, I love when Marty Feldman just goes back and says, Bluka! <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Oh, it's it's so funny. I, I, I love the sound design in this movie, um, which it was not Oscar-nominated for as uh, it the sound um, and the, the, the screenplay as well, but... I, dude, the um, Inspector Kemp, <laughs> Kenneth Kenneth Mars, Kenneth Mars also Just very funny because you have never seen Son of Frankenstein, the mm-hmm. Universal movie. There's a character played by Lionel Atwell, who's a great character of this Inspector guy whose arm was ripped off by the Frankenstein monster, so he has a fake arm. Mm-hmm. They're able to play that off, play so many gags <laughs> with this fake arm <laughs> in in this movie. Like I love like the the constant. It's almost like a machine, like. Is his <laughs> joints keep, are moving. He has to keep slapping it to like get it into position. I let like when you first when we first meet him, he like lights a cigarette with his with his finger, <laughs> yeah. and then he just like like smacks it until it's in position, and then sticks it in a like a beer, and then pulls it out. Yes, um, yes. Or like I love when they're playing darts when he first meets. Uh, Frankenstein. <laughs> that whole scene's just funny in general. <laughs> I love when he's like looking away. And he just puts the dart, puts the darts <laughs> on just, the thing, makes it like a bullseye, <laughs> and he just goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, you know what? Like with the way that that's edited and the pacing of it, that's one of my favorite spit takes as well. Just like because obviously everyone more is like, <laughs> like really getting it out. Like it's just a fountain. Just <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nice grouping, <laughs> Shinko. And I, I love, I love the that whole shtick. And I just, I love just his, even just the way he looks. He has an eye patch, but he wears a monocle on the eye patch. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Like, thank you for doing that. <laughs> oh, man, 
this is it's just i think it's it's really it's funny but it's also again like it's a loving tribute to to, mm-hmm. to those things um i think about like the, the the famous shots in this movie of, of them you know bringing the creature to life and they clearly have a love for this stuff also we'll bring up peter boyle i mean you got to bring up peter but he's the monster he's the monster he do, he's 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 good in the movie um he, we, he's, his facial expressions like i think about the scene <laughs> where, he, where, where he visits gene hackman as the blind man which it should be noted like this is this is what um you said this was after he got like his first this Oscar. is after he this is after he won for french connection and so it's just it's so it's so funny and so great to see like gene hackman in like a movie like this after after doing something like that in a in a in a in a bit role like it's like he it is not prominent but it has a very specific intention and it it's just so wild to think of that i don't know i just think that's cool it it, it really is but i just think of it like because the blind man scene in bride of frankenstein which is obviously a spoof of is such a wonderful like touching scene mm-hmm. and then in this movie like everything goes wrong like <laughs> like the the cup breaks, the like, it burns a little bit. He just, lights like, his Peter thumb Bell's on fire. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, speaking on that note, speaking of like visual things that are just funny, like subtle details, the zipper on Peter Boyle's neck. <laughs> oh yes, and I even love that Madeline Kahn calls it out at one point and calls him "your zipper neck." <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, there's so, there's so many like just super funny iconic moments in this movie, and a lot of it is just because of how great the cast is. I think the cast is definitely a huge um, huge strength because they're all they're all in it. They're all really just in it, hundred and ten percent. Every single you know? one of them understand the assignment, as yes. the meme goes. Like, there's nobody where I'm going to say, "Oh, this guy was like." This guy clearly was just phoning it in. They were all all fantastic. Gene, Gene Wilder, Mar- Marty Feldman, uh, Cloris Leachman, you know, um, e- Madeline, everybody was just so, so damn funny. I think, you know, I, I haven't watched, like, because I've seen a handful of them, um, and it's probably my favorite Mel Brooks movie, which shouldn't surprise anybody if you know me. Same. Not the surprising part. But the, the, your, it would be your favorite. It's my too. favorite as well, yeah. You know, um, I need to rewatch Blazing Saddles because, admittedly, it's been a long time. I'm going to try to rewatch that um, I've, some I've point. S- I've seen bits and pieces of it. I know, I know, I have it in the house because I have this big Mel Brooks box set that I got my dad for Christmas one year, I think. And so it's just been sitting down there. And my dad doesn't really watch Blu-rays all that much. He might periodically, but he mostly just like watches like on the Voodoo account or uh, right Amazon Prime or something. So. It's just kind of sitting there, so if if I'm if I'm up to it, I might just like bust it out and start watching some of his other movies because I've seen a handful of Mel Brooks's movies, but I haven't seen all of them. That's for sure. Yeah, but and this is the first one, first time we're really featuring Mel Brooks. Yeah, I mean, we he he had a bit part in our conversation with Jojo Rabbit and the Dictator because we talked about the producers for like a split second. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. You know, producers are sort of like recommended reading. 
yeah for recommended viewing for, for that episode yeah you know this is this like, one yeah this one is is one of our featured attractions and i think uh this the both of our movies they really go um they really go for uh the frankenstein story in in amazingly different ways you know <laughs> I, I like the changes that uh curse of frankenstein implements uh obviously the color photography is great Mm-hmm. Peter Cushing is phenomenal. The music is great in, in both of these movies. And I think Young Frankenstein, again, is one of those, like, you know, sometimes when you you make fun of something, it can, it can be all like a, it's a line. It's sort yeah. of a weird line. Like, I, I grew up knowing somebody who just hated parodies of things that he liked. Mm-hmm. And I think the trick, I think part of the trick is you got to love in some respect. You got to love what you're making fun of to an I extent. Mean, I mean, I think it's just from a human standpoint, you know, uh, like people amongst their friend groups, like, you know, they, they talk shit, you know, they, they'll, they'll say things here and there. Obviously they don't mean any of it unless it's like some hidden thing. Like there's context we don't know about, but most, the vast majority of the time, like, you know, friends, I'll just be having conversations. They're just giving each other shit, you know, because they, they care about them and they love them. And so I, I definitely agree with that notion that I would a hundred percent prefer, watching a, a sort of parody movie that came from a loving point of view versus like something that was just mean spirited. You know what I mean? Like it makes in a lot of ways it makes me think of like Lego Batman, you know, to feed yeah. to feed Feehan's drinking game once again. Mm. <laughs> um we but, do not recommend drinking games on two dudes one double feature. No. That should be noted. No. <clears throat> Please don't do it. Um <laughs> but um like the 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 great thing about that movie is that it is making fun of or like sort of deconstructing a lot of elements about the story of Batman and the world of Batman, but it's coming from a viewpoint of someone that clearly loves Batman and loves like the mythology and the characters and the whole world and stuff. So I think you can definitely tell the same thing with Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder going into this movie that, that like as as we were saying they clearly like what they're doing. They clearly like the story they're talking about, but that doesn't mean they're not going to make fun of it a little bit. So, I should also mention that it was made into a musical. It was. Allison, Allison was in a a production of Young Frankenstein. Yeah, if you didn't mention um, this part, then you would you would be in trouble. I would be in big trouble. Like she uh, she want. I think she, at one point she wanted to be on this episode. Episode, <laughs> but just the scheduling. Listen, it, it's so hard with guest episodes. It would have been great. But it's so hard editing guest episodes. Like, like it's a once in a while thing. Sometimes it's just nice when it's just a simple, easy episode of just us. It's not a slight against anybody. You know, we just want to keep it simple. Sometimes it's what it is. But that doesn't mean we don't love you, Allison. Just on that note, platonically from me, romantically from Joey. Precisely, <laughs> folks. <laughs> Folks, uh, what is your favorite Frankenstein adaptation? What's your favorite Mel Brooks movie? What's your favorite Hammer horror movie? Please let us know. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're each on Letterboxd. And uh, we got a YouTube channel. Hopefully we'll start to try to get back into recording things for that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we're we're still doing stuff. Like We still got two more episodes of Two Dudes, One Homicide coming up. Very exciting. Very, very exciting. And we also have... Uh, on that same note, two more Halloween-based episodes, and relish that because, as I think I mentioned this, I might have mentioned this already, but just in case I didn't, um, this will be, uh, for a while, the only October where we have five of these 
because yeah. the next two years there's only four Fridays in October, oddly enough. So relish if you're liking if you're liking what we're doing, relish the amount of time we're giving. <laughs> I mean, we we still do horror movies sometimes throughout the year, but like October is the only month where we specifically dedicate it, yeah. spooky and scary and anything else in between all those categories. 100%. So I hope you guys are enjoying. It. Yes, 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 agreed. Uh, that about wraps it up. Check us out next week. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong, especially during this time period. You guys have been killing it. The radio drama is fantastic. Thank you guys so much for everything that you do. And, of course, a hint to next week's Double Feature. We continue our Halloween extravaganza, honoring another horror icon. This time, this man is a bit of an egghead who knows his way around a thriller. Stay tuned. Curse of the Werewolf with Oliver Reed. Clapping.